guessing most of you are, are parents, so again, welcome. We're glad you're here. This fall, we have been uh, in a series that we're calling Elephants, and uh, our Elephants series has been talking about that which the church is not talking about. So it's looking at the things that we're all thinking, that we're all feeling, that we all may want to know more about, but that the church has been silent on or has removed themselves for the conversation. So we've talked about things like uh, how do we handle war? What do we do with peace? What about money? How should we view and understand money? What's the theology of that? Women in ministry or women in leadership. Uh, we'll talk about politics uh, next week, which should be a really easy subject, and, uh, <laughs> but it would be fine. Um, so we're looking at all these different topics uh, that the church has, for whatever reason, uh, has kind of backed off from and has not talked about. This morning, we're going to be talking about mental health. We're going to be diving into the subject of mental illness and mental health, a topic which, uh, again, I would argue that the church has been relatively silent about. Um, and yet, in all of the elephants that we've talked about, all the elephants that we've tried to tackle over the course of the last couple of weeks and in the weeks coming, I would say this one may be the one that is most personal. Most personal because it affects us personally each and every day. Politics does as well, and our understanding of money does, and women in leadership does as well, but, but there's a real personal connection to this idea of mental health because whether we struggle with it ourselves, we have a mental illness, or friends of ours, or family, or coworkers, this is stuff that's in our world day in and day out. Here are a couple of stats that I think are, uh, were, were really interesting for me to learn about. One quarter of all people have an episode of mental illness in a given year. This is, these are stats based on uh, our American population. One quarter of all people will have an episode of mental illness each year. Half of all people in America will have a significant season of mental illness in their life. 50% of America, 50% of us will have a significant episode of mental illness. $319 billion a year is spent on mental illness, whether that be healthcare or disability or loss of earnings. These are huge, huge numbers. A lot of our resources go to this subject, go to these issues, and yet the church again has been so these things. Sorry about that. Um, so this morning is going to be a, a little bit different in the fact that we do have a panel. We're not going to look at a specific scripture, an exegetic scripture, and look at mental illness uh, through that lens. We're going to look at it actually through the lens of three professionals, people who genuinely love and serve Jesus day in and day out, but also have a vocation in being uh, mental health providers. So uh, I'll introduce these folks, or I'll let them introduce themselves in a minute. Um, but we're not going to look specifically at a scripture. What we are going to do is this is going to be more informational in nature this morning. So uh, we're going to talk about some of these issues. I have some questions. We're actually going to open the floor for questions uh, from out here in the audience as well this morning towards the end. Uh, so if you have a question, feel free to write that down, uh, jot it down. We also are continuing to have the text in a question. And Carl, if you want to just flash that maybe one more time. Um, so if you do have a question, you don't feel like this is the environment to ask it. You can uh, send it via text, and, and we might approach that uh, question later on in the series. Or you can, uh, if you're brave enough, you can feel free to raise your hand and, and ask towards the end. Uh, but what we are going to do is, uh, before we even jump into this idea, I want to lay a foundation of who our God is and remind ourselves and center ourselves on the fact that God is a healing God, that God desires wholeness, not only spiritual wholeness, but mental wholeness, physical wholeness, emotional wholeness. That God, uh, he is 
the great physician. And so as that as a foundation, that will undergird us. I'm going to open the floor here, and they're going to, uh, these three individuals are going to read a scripture first, and then right after that, we'll uh, launch into some introductions. So um, maybe we'll start right here. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all day long, where is my God? These things I remember, and I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go along with the throne and lead them in, pro- in procession to the house of God, with the voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. O my God, my soul is in despair within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of the Jordan and the peaks of Hermon from the Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep is the sound of your waterfalls. As your breakers and your waves have rolled over me, the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and his song will be with me in the night. A prayer, of, a prayer to the God of my life. I will say, God is my rock. Why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As a shattering of my bones, my adversaries revel me. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. It's a great question. Uh, my name is Lane Stoops. Um, I'm a mental health counselor here in town. I run a group over in the Rock Point Center. I've um, been doing that for a few years now. Um, that's kind of what I do, counseling, therapy. Um, why I do what I do, you know, a few people know I actually wanted to be the next Jerry Mulligan. I don't know if many of you know who that is. He was one of the only famous Barry Sachs players of his time, um, or ever, because it's Barry Sachs. Um, when I got to college, I realized pretty quickly I was terrible at theory and ear training. I don't know if any of you are music majors. Um, at Whitworth, Dan Keberly was horrible. Um, not as a person, but he was really hard. Um, <clears throat> but I had uh, a family member growing up who struggled pretty badly with depression in high school, um, and it got pretty bad at different times. Um, he was treated with counseling and medication, and, and he's doing fine now. Um, but at the time, having that background in music, um, I was looking into music therapy and then realized, again, I was still pretty terrible at the music piece and just really liked the therapy. Um, seeing the transformation my brother went through working with another mental health professional in high school, um, when you deal with somebody who has depression personally, it's hard to see that progress moving forward when they're initially struggling with that. Um, seeing his journey with a therapist moving through that, I was like, gosh, that's really cool. I would love the opportunity to facilitate that change in other people. Um, and so that's why I decided to start pursuing counseling as a profession um, to, to offer the same thing to others that are hurting. I think at the beginning when you're talking about these figures and statistics, it's often an area of our health that we don't like to think about or we don't like to go there. Um, and mental health is a part of us, whether we're mentally healthy or we have something that's affecting our mental health. 
Um, I think it's very pervasive in our culture, and that's why it should concern us. Um, you know, I wouldn't go, or I wouldn't avoid going to get treatment if I had a compound fracture, and yet the tenth leading cause of death is suicide, and 90% of suicides are related to some mental illness. Um, and yet it's so not talked about um, in our culture. I really, I, I like, I don't know if you've heard of Maslow and his hierarchy of needs gets talked about a lot. I think there's something to it. He's, he's gotten some flack over the years about his different levels, but the base level is physiological things, um, needing to breathe and eat, and then safety, then love and belonging, and then self-esteem, and then self-actualization, which would be spirituality up at the top. And in his theory, it's that if you don't address the needs on the bottom levels first, you can't address the needs on the top, or it won't work if you try and address those without the bottom ones. Certainly, if we try and hold our breath, we're going to pass out eventually, so we're not going to be able to have community with other people. Um, if we're not doing well with ourselves... <laughs> college was a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> Uh, if we're not feeling well within ourselves, so our self-esteem is affected, our ability to connect with our creator is going to be affected as well because it affects our perception. Um, the way our brain works, we know so little about why it does what it does. And from a spiritual aspect, how is our soul connected to the eternal and to the physical? And how is that in our relationship with other people, with ourselves, with God, and then just our biology? Gosh, I don't feel good today. Well, the sun hasn't been out for a couple of days. So that's going to affect how your brain is processing chemically. So I think being able to identify, as Michelle was saying, how we're a complete piece, and there are all these different components that make up our being, when we're not feeling well emotionally, there are other, there, there's tons of aspects that play into that. Um, and it's not just a connection with our spirituality that we're not a good Christian or we're not praying enough, that there's a lot that can go into that. Just to add to that, I think the important thing that I like to kind of reflect on medication is used as a tool to augment therapy, is that it's in our culture, we see things as we want an immediate fix. We want a band-aid. We want something that's going to solve our problem tomorrow. So we wake up and everything is good. And medication can have an effect where your mood is elevated, you feel better, um, but it's not a permanent solution. And that's something that I think that we in our culture have sort of flip-flopped with therapy in general. As Michelle was saying, it's a great tool to be able to stabilize so that we can dig in and figure out what is it that got you to this point and how do we prevent you from getting there in the future. Every occurrence of an episodic depression increases your likelihood of having another one. So we need to figure out what got you here and how do we prevent that from happening. Or if it is going to happen again, how do we prepare you with the right tools so that it doesn't get as severe? Um, one thing that I've heard from time to time in my, my own practice is that, well, I just, I don't feel that I'm connected to God. My spirituality is struggling. Or I'm not doing the right things or I'm not taking the right steps. Um, when my brother was struggling with depression years ago, somebody told him he just needs to pray harder. Um, and I think that that's a really unfair misconception on what depression or anxiety or different mood disorders and the connectedness to our spirituality, that it's, it's not just a spiritual issue. Certainly that's part of it, and it feels like we're not connected to Christ because our perceptions are, are clouded with everything else that's happening from our um, occupational experiences, our relational experiences, our biochemical experiences, that it's all part of it. But I think our expectations in the Christian faith is that we want to say, well, God will fix me 
and I don't need to deal with all these other things. That It's God alone that can do this. And certainly he is strong enough to do that, but there are other aspects that we also can seek his counsel in to help us heal. I think um, one of the most important things is how we touched on the stigmas of mental illness earlier. Um, and, and one of the most important things in my mind is how we label an individual who's struggling with anything. We don't say if somebody um, has a broken leg that they're a broken femur. And yet when we say that somebody has schizophrenia, we say you're a schizophrenic. Um, so being really careful about how we approach, if they have a diagnosis, if they're in treatment or they know they think they're struggling with this, um, communicating to them that they are not their diagnosis. They're not the disorder. It's something that they're dealing with. I struggle with asthma. I will my entire life. Um, but I don't want to be referred to as an asthmatic. I think it's a little bit distancing in relationship. I'll, I'll be brief. Um, I also think to address that question, culturally, uh, in the United States, psychology is very Western in philosophy, and there are a lot of places in the world that don't see mental illness as part of their culture. Um, schizophrenia has symptoms that look similar to demon possession, and I, I don't state claims in saying one is either or the other, or they're not coexisting. We do have data that schizophrenia does damage the brain. Um, I'm not saying that to suggest that that's not spiritual in nature, that we are connected in that way, our physical body is connected to the spiritual, but keeping in mind, similar to what John and Estelle, or John and Michelle have said, sorry, um, we kind of constantly live in this dissonance as Christian therapists in the world because therapy, I think, by the church historically has been seen as taboo or um, not accepted as part of our uh, ability to be Christians in this culture. And I think it's important to keep that in perspective when we're in practice, that we certainly have medical research, we have um, understandings of our physical bodies, and that's important, as well as how is it affecting our spiritual existence, and not just how is it affecting it, but how is our spiritual relationship being um, a player in that as well. Thank the panel real quick here.